and it has a title, Everything Has Its Time. My version might be a word different because it's not the updated version, but. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under the sun. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to sew. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What gain have the workers from their toil? I have seen the business that God has given to everyone to be busy with. He has made everything suitable for its time. Moreover, he has put a sense of past and future into their minds, yet they cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I know that there is nothing better for them than to be happy and enjoy themselves as long as they live. Moreover, it is God's gift that all should eat and drink and take pleasure in all of their toil. This is the word of the Lord. So um, today I am preaching on wisdom. And preaching on wisdom is a little bit like preaching on humility. (laughs) It's pretty hard to do without basically exhibiting the opposite of what you're trying to get across, endeavoring to speak and having the audacity to instruct someone on how to be humble doesn't exactly strike a chord of humility. Uh, How does one say anything about wisdom uh, without doing the very opposite thing that they are trying to do, which is displaying their lack of humility and their folly? So thankfully for me today, I am not, I'm going to endeavor not to share any original ideas, but just take them straight out of Ecclesiastes. So if you have a problem with it, you can take it there. Um, But our passage today is probably the most famous of all passages in Ecclesiastes. It's one of the only passages that makes it into the lectionary. Um, And it is probably loved because of this beautiful way that it paints that there is, in fact, a time for everything. It's like this beautiful poem. The challenges that we are all facing right now, what we are doing now, there is a time for this. This is the time that we have. And it's almost like it's saying, like, we have all the time we need for the things that we're doing. However, there is a pretty challenging part about there being a time for everything. And I don't know about you, but I often feel a sense of timelessness. And I don't mean like, 
like um, transcending time or beyond time, but actually just being without time, like I don't have enough time. Um, running out of time for life, which is kind of insane because literally our lives are just like endless moments connected together and there really is no like, like there almost is no reason to feel hurried for anything because it is just like infinite time or indefinite time, I guess, into the future. And also time is like a total construct that has at least as much to do with like the space and the place you're in as it does to do with some like sequence of activities. Um, but it my, it's my experience that I am without time and that actually my everyday life is intruding upon the plans and expectations that I have for my everyday life. So I don't know if you're like me, you may not be like me. There are people on the other end of the spectrum who are more able to receive the things that come at them, but just for me, it's like, it's intruding. And so, so this week, here's my little example. This week, uh, on Thursday, was, was the 12th day of Christmas, which for our household means the end of 12 straight days of doing like fun activities with the kids, every single day, different activity, very little work being done, like, it's like a whole thing. On, that was on Thursday. On Thursday morning at 9 a.m., we dropped Caleb off at the airport. So, uh, which is also, and he's gone 11 days. So there's sort of like this whole, so that means I have like all the responsibilities, as I've already spoken to, which is fine, but he's very helpful uh, when he's here. So it's hard he says that I don't miss him, I miss what he does for me. <laughs> Which is not true, but I do miss what he does for me. Um, anyway, but on Tuesday, so Thursday, Tuesday, I started feeling a sinus infection coming on. And I had already been sick before this with a cold, so I had already felt like kind of generally miserable and yucky, and, and then, like, just the pressure, and I was telling, I didn't connect until earlier, I also was, like, kind of detoxing from caffeine a little bit, so I think that probably made it worse. Anyway, so I had this, so I had all this pressure in my head, it was, like, continued on, and I'm like, I, this is not the time for a sinus infection, you know what I mean? Like, this is the wrong time. We got it wrong. Um, you know, and <coughs> I'm 35. Right after I turned 35, I got the flu, and then I got a sinus infection. That was the first sinus infection I've ever had in my life. This is the fourth one I've ever had in my life. So never having one, four in one year. I think the writer of Ecclesiastes would say, there's a time to go visit an ENT, and this is the time <laughs> when you've had four in a year. So apparently now, in the middle of all of this, scheduled packed season, now is the time for this. You know what I wish? I wish that we can New Year's resolution this. Like, we could like New Year's resolution our lives. We could like make that into a verb so that like we can plan and build and, and grow. We can like make these plans for what we're going to accomplish and do and then just stick 
to the plan. Just like all the good things, stick to the plan, New Year's resolution. Um, but the problem with New Year's resolutions, of course, of course, which Ecclesiastes like totally refuses to fall into this trap, is that New Year's resolutions only account for like maybe half of what life offers. And it's all like, it's all the things that we would maybe call like the positive things. New Year's resolutions might, you know, from our list today, uh, you know, they might be about uh, a time to seek, but we usually don't make New Year's resolutions about a time to lose. You know, we might make a New Year's resolution uh, about gathering stones, but not very many people make a New Year's resolution about scattering them. Uh, you might have a New Year's resolution about a time to be born, especially if you are the one doing the bearing. That seems like a pretty stout thing to accomplish in a year. Um, but usually not a time to die, right? I don't think anybody in the year of their death, on the first day of that year, declares, it is my year to die. What a strange thing to consider. And yet, the writer of Ecclesiastes is saying that wisdom is recognizing that actually these parts of things are part of seasons too, that there actually is time for these things. And that that's somehow good news. So, because if we leave out half of life, basically all the painful, suffering, toilsome, hard, challenging, difficult, depressing parts of life. If we have to do that in order to be okay, in order to be well, in order to be wise, then we will fool ourselves time and time again. Pun totally intended. If we have to leave out these parts in order to be wise, then we will fool ourselves time and time again. Because life is full of death and tragedy and hurt, too. And wisdom is recognizing that there is a time for everything. So the question is, do you know the time that you're in? So if you, if you will, if you want to, humor me for a moment. This is what I'm going to ask you to do. Put your hand on your heart. And you can, you can close your eyes if you want. Sometimes I like to just put my hand on my heart to, like, check in with myself because my attention is, like, oftentimes out here. And so I can just check in with myself. What's been going on? What are your dreams? plans? What are your resolutions? Where are you? And what has been happening on the other side of the spectrum? What challenges? What pain? What hurt? And if you want to, you don't have to, but if you want to, you can pray a simple prayer. God, what time is it? We ask Alexa what time it is. We ask our spouses, our kids. We look at our watch. Something you can do. God, what time is it? There are times to hold on 
and there are times to move on. And wisdom, according to and implied by Ecclesiastes, is knowing when it is time for what. What time is it? can open your eyes, remove your hand. Wasn't enough time? Do we need to do more time? You can do that later, too. You can't just push past pain. You have to go through it. You can't just ignore nagging feelings. You have to address them. You can't just think positive thoughts because that's only half the story. Well, actually, I guess you can try to just think positive thoughts. You can try to New Year's resolution your life and push your way through feeling breathless and timeless and set back at every turn. Or you can embrace the wisdom that says, what is reality right now? is what is at this turn. What is reality right now is what is at this juncture. It is this season. This is the time for this. Because when it is time to suffer, as it is regularly, it is time. And there can be time for it. If you don't ignore it, And if you have the humility and the wisdom it takes to embrace the suffering and pain as well as the joys in life and to be able to enjoy them both. See, the thing that, the amazing thing that we discover in Epiphany, so Epiphany, as you all know, but as I will remind you, is the the time we celebrate as the church, the day that the Magi arrived to see Jesus. It's often this day where, you know, we talk about this kind of premonition or, um, premonition's not the right word, but foretelling of, like, the gospel being offered to the whole world, to the Gentiles. Um, the epiphany of epiphanies is that God is actually in all of this. I think sometimes we kind of relegate God to, like, the good stuff, like, I'm so blessed, thank God. You know, it's actually one of the biggest problems with the prosperity gospel, right? Like, you're not blessed if you don't have the things, if you are suffering. Somehow God is absent. But at Epiphany, we realize that God is present in the, the Christmas time hopes in new babies, in bold visions of a different future, in feast days and fancy presents, and in visitors from far away. And God is present in homeless encampments that shelter those who haven't found any other place, any other room to be in. And God is present when you are the stranger. And when the birth plans have gone wrong, and when there's a massacre of the innocents, and in doubt and fear and fleeing for your life and for the life of your child, because that's the rest of the story. 
the wise travelers of Epiphany search the most random poor place for God's presence and find it not in a palace, but in the food bowl of barn animals. They found it not in the model family, but in an unplanned pregnancy in a cobbled together household. In the dark moments, the ones that don't go according to your New Year's resolutions or plans, God is there too. The writer of Ecclesiastes does not shy away from darkness. She had unabashed honesty about what happens in life. And a lot of people didn't like it, and still don't. But I didn't know this until this time around, but Ecclesiastes is sort of on the chopping block for the biblical canon on a few different occasions. Um, And you can see why. You know, the teacher, as she's referred to, doesn't promote a strict moral code. There's one verse in there about, like, not being too moral and not being too wicked because, you know, you need to keep your... You have to look it up. It's so good. Uh, Like the one given to God's people, the strict moral code. She doesn't even say that wisdom is in keeping the Torah, which her other wisdom writer colleagues do say, Uh, She doesn't affirm any confidence in an afterlife, like a bunch of other books do. Her parables and teachings are shockingly negative, and she says everything is hebel. Hebel. Uh, Considering that the word hebel is used in Ecclesiastes, like it's used in the Bible, 60% of those times it's in Ecclesiastes. and it, she says it over and over and over again, you might think, we probably know how to translate this word. It's in the Bible a lot. Nope, not true at all. If you look at many translations, they have all different ways to translate the word, the Hebrew word hebel. Uh, so if you've ever read Ecclesiastes, you're familiar with a version of this because it said over and over and over again. Verse 2, chapter 1, verse 2, Vanity of vanities. Everything is vanity. Actually, I think they say vanity of vanities twice. Uh, The NRSV translated as vanity. Uh, The New Living Translation says it's meaninglessness. And this is representative because multiple versions choose these different words. So meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. Uh, The Holman's Christian Standard Bible translates Hubble as futility. Futility, everything is futile. And the message, with its unique take on words, chooses smoke, smoke, smoke. Everything is smoke. And maybe the most interesting thing is that the word hebel is also the proper name. Let's see if anyone knows this. I'm so glad no one knows this. Abel, the first human ever born. Like, isn't that amazing? Or is he the second? Cain and Abel. I guess he's the second. Pretty cool, though. It can be translated as breath as well. So breath, smoke, vanity, meaninglessness, futility, all kinds of stuff. Crazy. There's one, one commentator um, that I read thinks the best translation of Hebel and Ecclesiastes uh, specifically is, uh, is absurdity. So that 
all that is in the world is actually incomprehensible, if not irrational. It's absurd. Anyone who writes down laws and rules and tries to track the cause and effect of things is like on the other end of the spectrum from her. They claim, you know, cause and effect. If you do this, then this will happen to you. But the writers of Ecclesiastes is like, isn't part of the group where one plus one always equals two. It's like, life isn't math. For her, for the writer of Ecclesiastes, life is more like craps. It's just chance. It's, it's, you know, it's who knows what's going to happen because good things happen to bad people. The, the evil people prosper and it, just because you make the right decisions doesn't mean that there's going to be a good result for you. You can still suffer. It's all absurd. The only certainty in life is death, basically. It's not controlled. You can't pray this prayer and receive this reward and, and even our heavenly bejeweled crowns are in question because, because she says, who knows what happens after we die? Her refrain that everything is absurd is so frequent that it's hard to miss that this is the point of the book. And the second most repeated line, which our passage ends with today, is the other part of the point. It is God's gift that all should eat and drink and take pleasure in their toil. These two phrases come out again and again and again, and her voice reaches out one of the many of the people that we hear who make up the chorus of the Bible, and I wonder what she has to teach us, this teacher, about wisdom and absurdity and toil and enjoyment. You should read it, Ecclesiastes. It's basically a pitch for Ecclesiastes. Go read Ecclesiastes. It's awesome. I found, I found myself reading it, and like, um, I started like making quotes in my notebook for like idioms I wanted to like bring back, you know, because we have some of these been all my life. One of them, uh, one bungler destroys much good. Where has that been all my life? I could have put that into practice so many times. There's so many good ones. So go home and read it. But before the kids come back, which they may be just breaking in, <laughs> that's okay. Hey, are you coming back in here soon? Okay. <laughs> we have plenty of time. Okay. Well, you just want to read it right now? Just kidding. Okay. Um, I actually almost, maybe, well, nah, we probably won't do that. I thought about doing like an improv game where you, someone has to just quote from Ecclesiastes, like that's one of the roles or whatever. That'd be fun. What? Caleb's better at hosting those things. Um, yeah, so the second part of that, so before the kids do come back, last thing I want to say is um, vanity, vanity, meaningless, absurdity, everything is absurd, everything is chance. So, knowing the seasons is knowing the times. That's one way to glean wisdom. Knowing what time it is. But the other thing she says throughout the book is that it is God's gift that all should eat and drink and take pleasure in their toil. Now, when I read this, I'm thinking about, like, that person who, like, 
has like been created for a certain purpose, you know, and they have this like calling on their lives and they're like, they found it, you know, like Michael Phelps in swimming, is that his name? Yeah, like, like he was like birthed to do this, you know, and like everyone is like, like enjoying his work because he's like, you know, it's amazing. It's amazing when someone has like found something that they're truly good at and actually enjoy doing and it's like so obvious. It's the girl that does the, um, what are those yoga videos on YouTube? <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. She was born to do that. I am telling you, it would have been a terrible tragedy if she had been born in another time when YouTube did not exist. It would have been that's what I think of when I think of like the toil, right? Like that's what we're talking about, right? Like enjoy your toil, but your toil is like good and fun and perfect and the perfect fit for you. And it's like that's that's me reading a whole lot of my expectations on this passage that are actually not in there at all. Like really toil. Think about toil a long time ago. Like who did their perfect job? This is this is not even this is not like as positive. This isn't like toil like you doing your career. Uh, it's not even really neutral. This word is like really negative. Like maybe it could be translated as pain and suffering. So like here's wisdom. In, eat and drink and enjoy your suffering. Wow, no wonder they didn't like her that much. the advice is everything is absurd enjoy your life and take pleasure in your suffering so I conclude that wisdom I suppose is knowing the season you're in knowing when it is time to break down and when it is time to build up when it is time to mourn and when it is time to dance and wisdom is also letting things be absurd and enjoying your life anyway even in the midst of unplanned pain let's pray god thank you for the brutal honesty of the writer of ecclesiastes I pray that you would reveal for each of us the time that it is. Because there is time, not just for the good things, but for the hard things as well. To be present and to receive these hard things, making time for them, for the toil and the pain and the suffering that is a very real part of each of our lives. I pray that we would find you there, not just in joy to the world, but also in the parts of your story that are not so glamorous. On this day of Epiphany, may we be inspired have this idea that doesn't let go, that you are present in all of it. 
Christ's name we pray. Amen.